What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine, the other one of your hosts. You can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Rapine. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, James Rapine's favorite protein bar. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. Happy Father's Day to the fathers of the world that listen to this show. If you're listening to it late on Sunday, we're recording it on Sunday. So, James, I'm going to call my dad as soon as we're done recording because this is early for me out on the West Coast, but... Today, we're going to talk about the way things are going for players to get together before training camp. And despite that, a report that the NFL is very confident that the season will start on time. Some initiatives from Jordan Evans, the Bengals probably backup linebacker to take on education in Norman, Oklahoma. Similar to when Michael Johnson would work with kids, getting them together with law enforcement to try to break down those barriers in his community building. A different approach from Jordan Evans, trying to do it through the schools, but I think similar tangible action that we can talk about a little bit, talk about what he's doing with his hometown. But first, James, let's talk about the recent statement from NFLPA doctor Tom Meyer about players getting together for workouts before training camp. James, those workouts that Joe Burrow talked about getting together with his new teammates now sound very unlikely to happen with the NFLPA advising players to avoid private workouts with their new teammates or old teammates before training camp. Yeah, their statement pretty direct. It said, please be advised that it is our consensus medical opinion that in light of the increase of COVID-19 cases in certain states, that no players should be engaged in practicing together in private workouts. Our goal is to have all players in your families as healthy as possible in the coming months. We are working on the best mitigation procedures at team facilities for both training camps and the upcoming season and believe that it is in the best interest of all players that we advise against any voluntary joint practices before training camp commences. So, Jake, yeah, the the idea of Joe Burrow potentially going out to California to work with Jordan Palmer, that can happen. But it's unlikely that A.J. Green and John Ross and Tyler Boyd and all these guys are going to be out there catching passes from from Joe. And I'm not even sure if he's going to go out to California at this point with this advice, with the things happening in the United States in the last two days, the number of COVID cases is the highest uh, that it's been since late April. So after there was some progress, it looks like COVID is making a resurgence in the United States right now. So that being the case, and that being the justification for this statement from the NFLPA doctor You have to wonder if there's going to be much travel at all. There were some videos coming out of some teams working together. Somebody sent me on Twitter, Derek Carr working out with some of his teammates, the now Las Vegas Raiders quarterback, and he was wondering why Joe Burrow hasn't gotten together with his teammates yet. I don't know that any rookies really have. The other thing that fits into this is that 
rookies across the league haven't signed any deals yet. And while that's a foregone conclusion in the modern era, in the current CBA, this has got to be the latest we've had rookies unsigned in a long time. And I wonder if there's any interplay between the fact that Joe Burrow isn't under contract and the fact that he didn't manage to get those workouts together with his teammates or if it was simply logistics. I would bet it was logistics. And and Jake, I I look at this and it's crazy to think about, but a couple of weeks ago, the NFL still didn't know if they were going to have minicamp. So I I have seen some fans say, oh, well, Joe Burrow, why they've been talking about working out for months and they're right, right? we've, We've heard about this for months. At the same time, there's so much unknown with it. And so you're seeing some of these players work out with their teammates. But the Bengals didn't know if, one, they were going to be needed uh, back at Paul Brown Stadium right now. Right at the end of June, there there was talk a couple of weeks ago about having minicamp. So the fact that that was ruled out, I thought that they had a good month here to potentially get together. But with this statement from the NFLPA, it it, it looks unlikely. And that sucks because I I think if you talk to – Anyone on that team, they would love to catch passes from Joe Burrow and it would be valuable for him and it would be valuable for them. Instead, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. And and who knows? I I would say this, though, Jake, I I think that the way training camp is going to work, whether it's extended, whether they uh, get rid of a couple of preseason games, there's going to be extra time for Burrow to, to build a rapport with his wide receivers and the rest of that offensive unit. Which is something that We all want to see at this point. And A.J. Green even told Jeff Hobson in the latest Hobson mailbag on Bengals.com that he was excited to get together and work with Joe Burrow, whether there's a long-term deal in place or not. Now, this announcement from the NFLPA comes on the heels of a Mike Garofalo report that there were some 49ers that got together working out in Nashville. One of those players tested positive. So (laughs) there is direct impetus for something happened with one of these private workouts. And and so now the NFLPA taking a cautious approach, which I think makes a lot of sense. From a football perspective, though, obviously this isn't what you want to see. Players do need repetitions together to get ready for the season. So if there is a season, which the NFL is very confident about, we'll have to see some practice time and some way to do that safely in the near future. Coming up next, we're going to talk about that report that the NFL is still very optimistic that there will be a season. Talk about some of the questions around what if there's not a season? Will the Bengals be picking number one? Is that even a good thing? All that coming up next. The Lockdown Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice, and that's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. In the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all of our host donations up to $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. Today's episode, James, brought to the people that listen to the Locked On Bengals podcast are eating built Bars in their homes right now by our favorite protein bar, Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar has great macros, lower sugar than any other protein bar on the market. Tons of flavors. They just introduced some new ones a few weeks ago. James, it's your favorite protein bar. Tell the people why it's so good. Well, one, I just got three boxes. I just ordered three boxes. They haven't come in yet. I'm excited to get a a new batch of mint brownie in the Rapine household. But here's why I love them. 
low sugar. You're talking, but depending on the bar, three grams, four grams of sugar, high protein, 18, 20, sometimes 21 grams of protein. And you don't sacrifice flavor. You're not getting a chalky candy bar. No, this tastes great. So if you want to fit your macros, if you're working on that summer bod, which I'm trying to get post-quarantine back into the groove of things from a physical standpoint, Built Bar can help you do that. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can get $10 off your first order. Again, BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. Let's keep things rolling here on Locked On Bengals with some positive news from Pro Football Talk. That's right, Mike Florio reporting that the NFL remains highly optimistic that the 2020 season is going to happen despite the news that the NFLPA telling players to not work out in groups, Jake. And uh, Florio also says that less optimism exists, that fans will be present for any of the games, which I don't know about you. I've kind of in my mind ruled that out. Like I, I just I don't expect to see fans at NFL games this year. I don't hope that that's the case. But I just assume that that isn't going to be the case. Um, but but overall, that's kind of how I took the NFLPA report. Like they they know they're going to bring be bringing these players in in a month in their minds. So they don't want them to be working out together and coming from all different parts of the country twice over the next month. Instead, let's try to keep them as, as quarantined and as confined as possible before they go to team facilities. I took it as, as optimism, and I was glad to see the, this report from Mike Florio that the NFL is still optimistic that the season's going to start on time. And you kind of hope, everybody hopes, right? We've, we've talked about this ad nauseum. You hope that things work out. My personal feeling on the matter is how can the NFL figure out how to do this safely in a country that can't figure out how to do this safely? You look at the United States compared to Europe, and, and you point to leagues that have started back up. Korean baseball, European soccer, these leagues are starting back up and you're not hearing COVID horror stories, right? But in the United States, there's an environment where if you compare the control of the disease, the control of the spread of the disease to these European countries, to Korea, the United States is doing a worse job. The disease is more prevalent. So... When we're talking about optimism for an NFL season, I, I certainly hope that's the case and I hope they figure it out. But what is that relying on, right? Is that just saying consequences be damned? We're going to go full speed ahead and just do this thing? Or is that saying we're going to have a protocol that works? We're going to have testing that works. You know, are we going to come up with some way to figure out those pre-symptomatic cases? You know, or, or are those going to show up in testing? Are we literally testing every player every time they come into the facility? And if that's the case, I sure hope they have a different test than the one that goes through your nasal passage, because let me tell you, that's not a comfortable test. And I wouldn't want to do that every day. So I, I was actually feeling it the next day when I, when I went through that procedure, just in case you were curious. So for the players, I hope that's not the case. And, uh, it's nice to hear the NFL being optimistic. I just would like to see my, my cynical view of this, I guess, at this point, because maybe that's where I'm at, is let's see what the plan is. Let's see how we're going to action this thing. Florio also notes that the league remains confident that rapid response saliva-based testing will be available before the season starts. There you go. But to your, but to your point, Jake, how accurate is it? 
because that talk to anyone in the medical field right now. That's the problem with some of these tests is they're not accurate. And if you're getting it right 65 percent of the time, well, that's not enough, even if you're testing every single day because you're in, in a, a confined area in the differences. And I talked about this on, on last week's show, Fauci talking about the bubble. Well, I get it. The NFL doesn't want to do a bubble and it makes sense, but you're going to have to test even more than these other leagues because of that. So there's just a lot. There's a lot that needs to be done. Um, at the same time, the NFL is, is the, the most powerful, I would say, sports league, certainly in America. So they should have the resources to, to potentially do it. But it, it's it's going to be different. I'll tell you that. Whatever ends up happening, if there is an NFL season, we can get into what happens if there isn't. But if there is, and I certainly hope there is, I think it's going to be much, much different than what you're what we're used to here uh, in America watching football every fall. I think that there are a few things that are unprecedented that Paul Daner Jr. wrote about in his recent mailbag on The Athletic. I asked him, Adam Schefter, in April or May, who knows? You, you, you guys all feel the vortex of time we're in right now. Uh, <laughs> he, he said that the NFL salary cap as a, as a current CBA is is constituted in 2021 could go down 30 to 80 million dollars based on lost revenue from this year that's insane yeah. right how do you extend AJ Green or Joe Mixon in an environment where your 2021 salary cap instead of going up 10 15 million dollars as you've been expecting for the last i don't know 10 years is going to go down 30 to $80 million. So that's one way that the NFL is going to have to adapt. There's uncertainty around what accounting rules will look like for the NFL in 2021. The other thing is, well, there's no fans in the stadium. What, what do we do with that? You know, there's a proposal to mic up players. There's proposals to pump in crowd noise. Which, which of those directions do teams decide to go? And on top of all that, there's the, the, the actual playing of the sport, the getting together to practice, keeping players safe. So many things will have to look so different than they have in recent years in a normal year for an NFL season to go off. And I've had some Bengals fans, and I know you've seen this as well, kind of speculate about what would happen if there wasn't a season. And, right. and, and the salary cap aspect of it is – could be devastating, especially for a team like the Bengals that never spends, spent, and then with the idea of keeping Mixon and potentially Green and, and you know William Jackson the third. Like there's a scenario where they try to keep all three of those guys next year, and instead maybe they're not able to because of everything going on. But on the the flip side of that, the Bengals drafted number one overall, and I think some fans are are saying, well, what happens if there is no season? Do the Bengals draft number one overall again? And I don't know if there would be a lottery system or if they would just keep the same slots. I doubt it they'd keep the same slots. But but here's what I would say to that, Jake, is the last thing I want 23-year-old Joe Burrow to do is sit on his hands for an entire year after what he did last year. That experience is much more valuable than whatever draft pick. You, you know, I'd much rather have the Bengals draft 17th overall than first overall if it means Joe Burrow gets a, a full season, 16 games, a bunch of snaps and a bunch of reps in the NFL, because if he's not playing, I think that would be honestly devastating to a, a Bengals team that looks at, at him as the future of the franchise. I think that a big part of my concern there is just his age, right? I, you can write off his advanced age coming into the league 
if there's a season this year. If there's not a season this year and they can't practice at all, well, now you're effectively getting a rookie at age 24, and and that's Ryan Finley. I mean, not saying that Joe Burrow would be Ryan Finley if he doesn't get to play football for a year, but that's the territory we're talking about for age for quarterbacks. If you don't get to play in the NFL before you're 24, there are essentially zero cases of success. Maybe there's some exceptions that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head, but this is something that Joe and I talked about before the draft. When this COVID thing was starting, the question of if, the, if you could guarantee that there's no 2020 season, would you still draft Joe Burrow? And you can ask Joe Goodberry about this. I said, I don't think I would. Be, and simply because of, of the age issue. So that's the primary reason for me that I really hope there's an NFL season. I hope there's a way to do it safely. I just, uh, like I said, I would like to see the, the tangible plan and if it's a technological breakthrough like that rapid response saliva testing that you were talking about in the pft piece great that then there's something that we can we can use as a foundation to go forward and do this safely i i just maybe i'm being too cynical i would really like <laughs> this to work out i, I just want to see the plan to get there and I expect the NFL to have multiple backup plans, right? We've heard this this one plan. I certainly hope they have a bubble plan as maybe plan F. If, if certain things don't work, you, you go to that plan and you break the glass and you go to your emergency plan. So I hope they have all of that in place. They have the resources and they've had months. Unlike these other sports leagues, baseball, NBA, et cetera, the NFL's had months to prepare for this. So I, I hope that what we're seeing is just really scratching the surface of what's going on behind the scenes. I sure hope so too. One of the things we're hearing as we come out and and people are starting to go back to their normal lives a little bit, James, is support family business and rockauto.com currently sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast is a family business. And if you're trying to save some money or maybe you learned how to do car repairs during your quarantine maybe you didn't do the home improvement instead you learned how to deal with your own car issues rockauto.com has all the auto and auto body parts that your vehicle needs from hundreds of manufacturers at fair prices easy delivery easy website to navigate unique catalog great for do-it-yourselfers james it's amazing i I mean they even have last week i mentioned daewoo they even have parts for your Yugo, Jake. So your 92 Yugo that you're driving around, they have parts for that. They have parts for everybody's car uh, that you could possibly need, whether you're driving a Volkswagen, Toyota, Honda, or, or one of the older brands that they don't make anymore. So it, it's really simple. You go to rockauto.com. Don't go to these big box stores where they might not have their par- your part. They have to order it in. Uh, you have to wear a mask going into the store. Instead of that, just order right at home from your laptop. Have the part delivered right to your house and make the repair yourself. It's easy. Go to rockauto.com. It's, there's something there for everyone when you're making car repairs. When you do, make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Over the past couple of weeks, we've talked a lot, uh, and the Bengals have certainly talked a lot, about uh, racial injustice in trying to better our society in America. 
And that's exactly what, what Jordan Evans, uh, the Bengals linebacker, is doing. And his idea, Jake, is education. And Jeff Hobson wrote a good piece on Bengals.com about this. Uh, and he wants uh, Evans being wants to have a, a course on diversity in middle and high schools. Um, and, and I think that that's a, a great solution here. Part of um, the Juneteenth celebrate. It was so unknown, right? So many people didn't know about it last week. By the way, Travion Williams, Bengals running back. Happy Father's Day uh, to him, by the way. He was there on Friday um, in downtown Cincinnati celebrating Juneteenth. But I think the reason so many people didn't celebrate it and haven't made that push is because they weren't aware of it. They weren't educated. They didn't learn about it in school. Me being one of those people. Uh, I, didn't, I, I could say I didn't learn about Juneteenth in high school. And so this idea that, that Jordan Evans has, I think, makes a lot of sense. And it's a, a good way to educate every single one of our citizens in America about our history, which black history is a big part of our history here in America. He's working with the superintendent of schools in Norman, Oklahoma. He told Jeff Hobson that his dream is for the authentic history to be taught. He talks about the mandatory curriculum. He talks about electives. He talks about people wanting diversity to work for us, but how can you expect people to know how to handle diversity if they've never been taught about diversity? I think the way you learn about it is through the true history of other people. It's a step to being able to understand each other, to know history. That can help with some of the racism and ignorance we see today. And Juneteenth is a great example, James, because I I never once heard that term in high school. And I, I had a bit of a different curriculum, I think. It wasn't until I went to, to, to university, actually. I took a class called U.S. History at Northwestern University, James. And I thought that, you know, I know U.S. History. I'm not going to learn anything new in this class. I'm going to be able to recycle everything I learned in high school. And it's going to be fine. And the guy that taught the class was the head of the history department at Northwestern University. So clearly a brilliant guy. It's a, it's a good university to, to be in charge of a department like that. You have to know what you're doing. And he just so happened to be gay. And I don't know if that has anything to do with the curriculum he picked for the class, but he essentially taught United States history from the perspective of okay, yeah, you know that World War II happened, but here's what was happening with the gay rights movement. Here's what was happening with the women's rights movement. Here's what was happening that you didn't learn about in high school. These things that are are subjugated portions at that point in history, especially still today, and in some cases, we're doing to, to help the country. Here's what women were doing during World War II. That, mm-hmm. that led to a significant reason that the United States was on the winning side. And, and that's something that I would have never gotten exposure to in high school. High school curriculums don't cover it. For Black History Month, I think that when I was in high school anyway, it was, you got some token, you know, let's talk about Martin Luther King stuff, right? Like the, the whitewashed version of black history, essentially. And I, I, that's why I like Jordan Evans' idea so much. He's talking about how he has a Malcolm X poster on his wall, a poster with a photo of the black power salute with John Carlos and Tommy Smith at the 1968 Mexico City Olympics. 
He talks about how his father emphasized the importance of knowing his culture from a young age. I, I think that he makes a really good point here. If you can work that into the curriculum, it's one of the ways that that you can change the way people think. Because the the prejudices that people have, you're not born with them. They're ingrained in you at a young age and you start to break down those barriers a little bit through education. It can't be the only thing we do, but it certainly is something we should do. I think it would, it's huge. It's extremely important. And I love that you're seeing Bengals players act on it, right, and are pushing for it. And the fact that Jordan Evans is doing this, you you think about education in American history and there's there's so much that isn't taught. And you can only do so much in the elementary level, but I think high school, it's it's the first time where as a student, and maybe junior high, where you have specific courses that you take for a year and you have credits. It, it really just depends on on the school you go to. But I, I do. I think that that should be it should be a requirement. And I don't know if it needs to be a specific class or if American history, like for your example, Jake. It was an American history class, right? But it taught real American history. And I think that's the key here is American history courses instead of having one year. And I think I only needed to take one year in high school. I might be wrong on that. Maybe I had to take, but, but I remember a year of that, a year of government, a year, you know, it was broken up. What if it's two or three years of American history, plus all of the, the geography and all the stuff like that, that usually falls under history. Like to me, that would make uh, a lot of sense. And you would be able to give t- teachers the time, which is an important aspect of this as well, to teach and get into more detail when it comes to World War II, when it comes to um, black history in America. Instead of just bringing it down to just one month in February, you can make it a part of the curriculum uh, curriculum year-round because it's American history. So, of course, it should be taught year-round. And and it goes without saying, and I think that Jordan Evans talked about this too, Native American history needs to be included. There, sure. there, there are so many histories in the United States that aren't very well appreciated. I learned about the Trail of Tears, but it, it, did, it wasn't really ingrained in me just how catastrophically tragic that event was. I didn't really understand that when I first learned about it. And maybe that's part of just being a kid and not really getting it, but the United States in my history classes was portrayed as, you know, the protagonist, right? History is written by the victors. Mm -hmm. I think it's time to recognize and understand that, that some of the things that have happened in the United States, you know, have, have been pretty problematic to, to say the least, like literally to say the least, we're going to be back later this week. Bengals fans, we'll take some mailbag questions. Jordan Evans out there promoting a new educational method in Norman, Oklahoma, his hometown. I think that's really great. I I like the grassroots approaches that some of these players are taking. I like hearing about these individual stories that the players are embarking on doing their own thing, using their platform. So I, I hope you enjoy hearing about their stories and how we relate to them and, and, Honestly, this one speaks to me in a big way because I've had an experience personally where I learned American history through a different lens and I, I could see how powerful that was. But we will be back 
later this week, Bengals fans. On Wednesday, we'll do our next show. We'll probably try to sneak in some extra mailbag time since we didn't get to it last week. And maybe other than that, we'll get some news while the Bengals rookies finish their last week of the offseason program. Until then, who day and have a good one.